The little things, you're probably arguing because you want to argue with the other person. The big things like school, religion, medical, all of those sorts of things you need to agree to and then put them and register them in your parenting plan so you never need to discuss them. In the Blend is a podcast series that helps parents navigate life within a blended family. Join me as I speak with experts and guests to get practical advice on how to have a harmonious blended family life. This series dives deep into the unique dynamics, logistics and challenges of raising a blended family. From new partners to juggling mixed finances, we will help guide you through it. In this episode, we're joined by authors Daniela Rigon and Tracy Duff, creators of Child-Centred Co-Parenting. Now, Danny and Tracy are not just co-authors, they are also part of the same big blended family, with Tracy being mum to a son, Josh, and Danny, Josh's stepmom. During our chat, Tracy shares her co-parenting journey from when Josh was a baby through into adulthood. Danny offers her insights into what it was like to join an instant family when she met Josh's dad, and they both reveal how they've made blended family life work very well for everyone. I was so inspired by this chat and their mission to enable families to move past their upset in order to be able to co-parent successfully, not only for the sake of their children, but for themselves as well. If harmonious co-parenting seems unattainable, or if you're simply looking for ways to improve your co-parenting relationship, this episode is for you. Well, welcome, Tracy and Danny. I'm so delighted to have you both here today. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having us. We're so happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, Tracy, let's start with you. So you have a son, Josh, who you co-parent with your ex-partner, Dave, and you've been doing so since he was about eight months old. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, He's actually now a, a man. He's 24 years old now. So we've been doing um, co-parenting together. We don't obviously co-parent today, um, but we co-parented him since he was eight months old for about the first 20 years. Wow. Um, yeah. So... I don't think it was that common when we first started co-parenting. Most people had the primary caregiver being the mum. And um, we both decided as soon as we split up that we wanted to make sure that the impact of our divorce was minimised as much as possible for our son. We knew we were going to have a very long time co-parenting with each other. So we put some uh, you know, rules in place and we put a process in place that will enable our son to spend time with both of us equally. Um, Although we weren't great partners for each other and when we were married, it wasn't, you know, the most amazing marriage, Dave is an amazing father and Danny will attest to that. And he thought I was an amazing mother and we just focused on that relationship for our son so that uh, we could keep it as peaceful as possible for him over a very long period of time. Mm. I love that. And I'm so impressed that you've gone on to write a book about this as well, which is called Child-Centred Co-Parenting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but um, but can you can you tell me a little bit more about about that co-parenting journey for you, Tracy? And it, it sounds now like you know, you've got this all figured out. So I'd love to understand a little bit about what it might have been like in those early days, and um, and how things naturally transitioned over time. 
I think the most important decision that Dave and I made in the beginning was that we would put our love for Josh before our issues with each other. I think there's a misconception, even to our family and friends, that we mustn't have had a volatile divorce or relationship, and that's why we were able to co-parent Josh, but it just wasn't the case. What we chose to do was focus on what we were going to move forward with, which was a co-parenting relationship for him. There's obviously all of the early, you know, issues that you have when you you separate or divorce, you know, if someone moves on, somebody's smiling, they're happy, what's going on? Like, you know, why why can they move on before me? There's jealousy, there's lots of control issues because you don't necessarily get to decide what happens in that person's life anymore and there's a lot of hurt as well. Um, that all happened and we were still able to co-parent by putting Josh first. And I guess through trial and error, we managed to find a formula that really worked well for us. And then Danny and I um, sat together for a very long time and um, we put it together into a book to help other parents. When we've tried to explain how we co-parented Josh to other people, they just couldn't get it. And it was because a lot of emotion, they're bringing a lot of emotions into it, which understandably and, you know, influence from other people. They'd speak to family, friends, or, you know, other other influences that just said, you're supposed to hate your ex. You're not supposed to like them. You're not supposed to have a peaceful relationship. But in ignoring all of that and doing what we did, our son has turned um, into just the most beautiful young man. And Danny will attest to that as well. Yeah. Uh, and peace for us. It's not just for your children. Initially, it was for him. But we have managed to form this beautiful blended family with extra love for our son, extra love for us, uh, like an amazing friendship between Danny and I, which we never would have had. Um, yeah, so there's lots of benefits. And I guess if you focus on the past and what hurts you and all of the reasons that you're not together, instead of focusing on the life that you can build for yourself, um, you'll have a really difficult time. So we're hoping that child-centered co-parenting can help families to focus on the things that they can do to minimise the impact of divorce and separation on their children and also minimise the impact of the pain and the suffering that you're already going to go through, uh, minimise it to a shorter period of time. Mm. Absolutely. It's very inspiring listening to you speak and I'm not surprised that others were surprised to see that you you were navigating this so well because it really is quite rare. Before we get into more of the detail of the book, Danny, Danny, let's turn to you. So I'd love to hear from your perspective. What was like inheriting an instant family of sorts when you met Dave, which I take it is going back a little while now as well. Yeah, so I think I think the thing for me was so we we were together for a little period of time and then we actually split up because I thought I don't I don't know if I can do this. I remember we got together not long before Christmas and Dave said, would you like to come over and have breakfast with, you know, Josh and his mum? And I was like, hell no, I'm not having breakfast with your ex-wife. I didn't want a piece of it in the beginning. I really, I didn't want a piece of it. Um, And so I had to think very carefully about making a choice to be in this type of a relationship, knowing that it was going to be very different. I was a little free bird. I didn't have to consider anybody at that time. And so walking into a relationship where it was very clear that Josh was first, and that I think is very easy when that's your biological child, but he wasn't my child. So to go into a relationship and make decisions, um, financial decisions, uh, decisions about where we were going to spend time, all of those things having to take into account a child that wasn't mine and so I didn't have that close relationship with in the beginning. 
So uh, initially I walked away and thought, oh, this isn't for me. And then, you know, on reflection, I decided that I was going to give it a go. And in deciding to get back together with Dave, I thought if I'm going to do this, then I want to be as positive, um, like make as positive contribution as Dave and Tracy had. And so I really made a choice um, to do my best to make that happen. Um, so in the beginning, it wasn't like it is now. I, I was definitely very jealous. I know sometimes people are jealous of their, their exes for a number of reasons. But for me, my biggest issue was that I was going to be involved in a relationship with somebody that had done everything before. He'd been married, he'd had a child before. Um, and and that, that's what my issues were. And I think for me, what really helped me get over that was Dave was such an amazing partner and made me feel very secure in my relationship with him. Uh, he included me in everything. I never felt like an outsider. I never felt that there was a little triangle with the three of them and I was on the outer. He always made me feel very involved and very included. And as the relationship progressed, so did Tracy. So I think that's really what helped me to go into this and to be such a make such a positive impact as a stepmom. And then, of course, as time went on, that love developed for Josh uh, and then even more so when I had my own children and I don't really see him as Dave's son. To me, he's really my children's brother. So as our relationship and marriage has yeah, progressed, my love for Josh has become even stronger <laughs> and now I'll take him and Dave can go. I love him wholeheartedly but I think what we have to like particularly for the biological parents, that doesn't come straight away for a step-parent. You're walking into a a family dynamic where that love initially, well, for me, was not there. Mm. Um, and so it really was making a conscious choice to have Josh part of my life and also Tracy. I, I knew that I couldn't go into this relationship and just pretend like there wasn't an ex-wife around. I knew she was going to be there. She was going to be a very big part of Josh's life which meant she was going to be a very big part of my life and I had to navigate my way through my jealousy and all the other issues that were inhibiting me from being able to move forward positively. So with my partner's um, love and understanding and then later on Tracy's, I was able to do mm. that. I identify with so much of what you say there, Daddy. Personally, I was in a very similar situation to you when I met Matt. He had two young children at the time, so I... <laughs> I was the, the free bird inheriting the instant family as well. <laughs> and um, and some of the issues you speak of, like jealousy, uh, I, I certainly went through stages of that as well. And I think that's incredibly common for a new stepmother. Oh, definitely. To get your head around all of those different, different emotions and things that are going on. Because it's, it's quite unnatural. I think people are always jealous of their partner's ex. Uh, well, not always, sometimes. And I'm thinking, oh, I've, I don't know, have they got a better job? Are they more beautiful? You know, where you compare yourself. But this is a person that is not in your past. This is a person that is part of your life. Mm. So, yeah, the jealousy is, I think, more intense because you have to see them all the time. Yes, yes. But it's refreshing to hear how you came back to the relationship, very mindful of what those issues were that were getting in your way and that sounds like you've been able to very effectively park them to one side or, or eradicate them altogether. Um, I want to move on to the book. So something yeah. that really stood out for me as a key message when I read it was around how people in a blended family situation or co-parents really need to shift their mindset from that self-centred approach to the child-centred approach where they're really placing needs of the children ahead of their own. So can you give some examples of that in practice? 
from your experience? Yeah, I think the, the first thing to realise is which which is the operating relationship. So if you're going to think that the other person is always going to be your partner, you're going to treat them like that as well. If you're going to treat them like the co-parent of your child, the conversations that you have, the influence that you have, et cetera, in their lives will be limited to that. And that's a really big mind shift for a lot of people, particularly if you're co-parenting straight after separation, where you're used to, you know, the old dynamic, the old way of communicating, all of the hurt and pain kicking in and influencing your decisions. So we limited what we spoke about after a period of time. Look, we had some very blurred boundaries in the beginning and Danny was able to help us to reestablish those. But we were able to focus on things that related to Josh's life and we agreed on it through a parenting plan. And that's things like guardianship issues, like medical, religion, schooling, where he lived, et cetera. And anything else really was none of our business. And that is the biggest hurdle that I think a lot of co-parents come up against because you're so used to having 100% say in your child's life and then all of a sudden... Um, in the little areas or the things that really don't concern you, you don't have any say at all and you have to trust that the other parent will do the best thing for your child. And if you've had issues in your marriage where there are trust issues, it becomes even more difficult to do that. So, yeah, I, the, the first step is to change the operating relationship and then talk to them like they're the, the co-parent and I think you'll have a much easier time. If you're going to refer to, you know, who they're allowed to see, who they're allowed to date, all of those sorts of things, you're going to get into a, a you know, a minefield. Um, yeah, just keeping it to the things that are important and relate to your child and their well-being um, is really some, the, the best advice we could give. I think something else on that is, and Tracy doesn't talk a lot about it uh, because Tracy and Dave have really made a commitment to not talk negatively about each other, uh, but their marriage was not good and it was very, very volatile. Um, and so a lot of forgiveness had to take place for them to be able to co-parent. And there's a section that Tracy wrote, and it's my favourite part that she wrote about being able to let things go and why she found it so difficult because she found that carrying that hurt was a little bit like carrying her stripes and that to let go and forgive things would be like admitting or she was worried that, you know, we would just forget that they had taken place or that he had really hurt her or those things had happened. But until she let go of that and was able to forgive, she wasn't able to move on to co-parent. Um, and that doesn't mean admitting or, or suggesting that what happened in the marriage was okay. It just meant being able to let it go so that they could co-parent peacefully for Josh, for Josh's sake. So that's my favourite yeah, part. Yeah, that that there's a chapter on it. We call it the F word. And it, usually it's a different F word you would might choose to use for your ex-partner. But in, in this case, that was the freedom. That actually was a gift that I gave myself um, to be able to let go. And Dave also had to forgive me for things and my behavior as well. It wasn't one-sided. It's never going to be 50-50 in any relationship, um, but we both hurt each other. And if we chose to hang on to those things, you just you just get left with a lot of anger and resentment and you don't have the energy to move on and create a new life for yourself. So we both knew we didn't want to be with each other, but we both loved our son and we just focused on that. So yeah, it, it definitely was the catalyst for us being able to co-parent, but it, it, it's a decision that you need to make for yourself. Too bad for the other person, whether, you know, if they want to hang on, they can hang on, but you only really retain things that you hold on to. So if you want to retain love, you can do that. And if you want to retain hate, you can do that. It's a decision you've got to make. 
And you had a bit of that mantra. Tracy's had like a line that she used to say to herself, my love for Josh is greater than my anger for Dave. And just remember that all the time. Yeah. And he wasn't a bad father. There's not one thing that I could say that would make him a bad father. And that was going to be the relationship that he was going to have. If you could see the relationship that Josh has with all four parents, it's we're really proud of that. He's equally close to both Dave and myself, but he also has a beautiful love for Danny. She has a beautiful relationship with him. And my husband, Scott, he adores Josh as well. He, I also have two stepchildren, so I'm, I'm operating on, on both sides. And yeah, I guess the child ends up with more love. So why wouldn't you try and make it a good environment for them? Josh is probably closest to Danny's parents out of all of his grandparents. He spends a lot of time with them. Um, when you're not hanging on to, um, to unforgiveness, your child is also free to love everybody. And when we don't inhibit, you know, who he spends time with, what's important. If it's Danny's dad's um, birthday, Josh will see him. There's nothing more important than the the relationships that he has around him. We don't prioritize my dad's birthday, for example. It's it's equal to him, and that's how he sees it. So, which is probably another good strategy that we used mm. was the flexibility. Mm. So even though we had our parenting agreement and parenting plan laid out and custody agreement flexibility was a big part of it so that we could make sure that Josh got to spend time with all sets of his four, like really four families now. Yes. Um, so being flexible and, and not looking as, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make life easier for him or for her. It was really about that's the people that love him. The more people that love him, the better. And let's do what we can and be flexible so that he can get to spend time with, you know, he's been blessed to have all these additional people that love mm-hmm. him. So let's make that happen. Like, so and they know when you're not being real. <laughs> they yeah. know when you're like you can say, "Oh, spend time with your grandparent," but then if you've got a sour face about it and you're making a big deal about it, the child knows that that's not what you mean. So how you communicate has to come more than just what you're saying. It's also how you look when you're saying it. It's the gestures, um, it's your actions, and we wholeheartedly support our whole blended family. And it's very obvious to Josh, so he never feels torn. Um, between one family or any of the four families, I think. so. There's something yeah. in your book that I, I liked. There's, for those who haven't seen the book, there's some illustrations throughout and there's one section where there's an illustration of someone doing the meet and greet with the co-parent at school pickup and they're, they're looking really miffed and, and kind of doing the yes. cold shoulder and then it says, instead of this, try this, and there's someone saying, hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was great because it's, it, it just must be such a common theme where... Well, kids, and look, being a teacher as well, I see it all the time. I've really had the opportunity to see how bad things can get as well, which was one of the other reasons why I wanted to do my best to, to for things to not play out that way for Josh um, because kids pick up on your energy. They pick up on your behaviour, your gestures, everything. Mm. Um, so sometimes I even say, look, if you've got to fake it till you make it, then you have to just put on that show so that your child doesn't feel guilty because that that's what happens. They pick up and if they feel that they've upset their parent, they feel guilty. Mm. Um, you know, and like, you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old should not have to feel guilty about enjoying spending time with other parents. Yes. Um, it's it's really sad to watch a little person carry that. Mm. Really. Something else I wanted to come back to was this idea of letting go or uh, relinquishing control. And I know you mentioned it, Tracy, that it's something that that comes up and you can't control what the other parent does on their watch or what their house rules look like or who they might be dating. So 
what are some of the ways that people could people could go about actually doing that? Is it all a, all a mindset thing? Yeah. First, I want to say that that was the hardest part, and we both failed dismally at doing that initially and it takes a lot of practice but the more you focus on your own life and the less you focus on your ex-partner's life the easier it gets. Um, I'll tell you there was a time I turned up to someone's house because we we had an agreement that each of us would give each other first right of refusal and Josh was staying somewhere else and I wanted him and I turned up there like an animal and (laughs) I am ashamed of a day but I also had to forgive myself and think we were going through such a tough time I was jealous because David was dating someone. It was the first, he moved on first and I didn't, I was just, couldn't cope with it. It was just really difficult because when someone moves on first, you're still dealing with all of your issues. You think, well, it meant nothing to them. And that kind of got confused um, into the whole um, scenario. And I turned up at that house and I was demanding Josh and it was horrible. Josh, thankfully, Josh never saw any of that. But I, I wanted to say that because I think a lot of people think we had no issues and that we didn't have to find a way through, but we did. Um, the letting go of control, I know Dave also, and Danny will attest to this, had a really hard time doing because you're not going to be in that child's life for 50% of the time if you are sharing um, equal time with your children. You can't control who comes into the house. You can't control where they go, what they watch, all of those sorts of things, what they eat, when they eat. And Dave was a little bit more rigid in food, for instance, so he used to get quite upset when Josh didn't eat at 12 o'clock and I would be more upset if Dave let him watch something on television and we both had to, you know, figure out is this exchange of energy worth it? Is it actually harming Josh from from Dave's perspective if he eats at 12.30? And for me, is it actually harming him if he's watching something with his dad who is in full control of, you know, turning the television off? And you, you kind of have to weigh up what what's the exchange of energy going to achieve and is it worth my peace? The big things you have to put into your parenting plan. So the little things, you, you're probably arguing because you want to argue with the other person. The big things like school, religion, medical, all of those sorts of things you need to agree to and then put them and register them in your parenting plan so you never need to discuss them. And generally, if you've done that, you have a leg to stand on if the other parent isn't going to you know, adhere to those things or they disagree on it and move forward. Um that would be the best advice I would be giving for letting go of control. The things that are important, keep those in place. And the things that aren't, think about the exchange. Um, and also, if you if you haven't forgiven, you're probably more likely to hang on to those things and try and use them as opportunities to have a dig at the other parent or trying to use those, uh, yeah, those opportunities to make yourself appear a bit better, better a parent than the other one. And we, I mean, in our case, I know that Dave's an amazing parent. I just used to remind myself of that and think he loves him or he wouldn't be doing this and I need to let it go. When the step-parents came in, I will admit I felt a lot more comfortable having another mum in place for the nurturing and all of those things that I wasn't there to do. Um, But that also takes work because there can be jealousy there when you're thinking, well, my child is very close to another woman. But yeah, once again, we just had to look at that and just think, well, Josh is being loved by someone. He's safe. He has another mother in the house. He's going to get all of the nurturing that he needs, um, and I'm, I was okay with that. But it takes practice, um, lots and lots of practice, and it doesn't happen straight away. No, doesn't happen overnight. I like the idea yeah. of parenting plans as well, and I'm keen to understand that process a little bit further. When it when you first separated, was that something that you bed down straight away, the parenting plan? 
because Josh was so young and he was eight weeks old, sorry, eight months old, um, we had to put something in place to ensure that he had equal access to, the, to each parent because we, we agreed to do that and that he also had communication happening between both parents regularly. So it might seem excessive, but when your child is eight months old, you have to speak a few times a day. Um, it's like when you send your child to daycare, there's a communication book for you to write things in. And if you don't have a great relationship, you can put a communication book in between the two houses so that you can say, you know, changed his nappy four times today, was a little bit more wet or whatever's happening. He didn't really eat his meals, all of that sort of stuff. So in the beginning stage, when they're very young, communication is even more important and documenting it just keeps you both accountable. Um, we put something into our um, parenting plan that I don't see a lot of people do, and that was uh, uninterrupted access to both parents. So if Josh was with me and he wanted to speak to his dad five times during the day, he could, and vice versa. We never limited or restricted any parenting time. Um, we both also respected our time with our child. So like Dave wasn't turning up every five minutes saying, okay, let's go to the park or, you know, when on the time that I had with Josh. But we, we kind of operated it in a system of if we were together, would we be fighting about who spent more time with him? Would we be fighting about who gave him his bottle, who changed his nappy, who took him to the park? And when we realized the answer was no, we thought, well, why would we fight about that now? Yes. So having structure is important, but also flexibility is important so that your child never feels that they can't, um, you know, spend time with both parents equally. Mm. Our parenting plan also included things around uh, special occasions. So for birthdays, we did something more unusual. We shared his birthdays. We would take Josh out somewhere together so that he could always have those memories of having both parents together. We'd take him to the movies or whatever. And when our new partners came in, we do that now. We, we share it with Josh's sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, we also um, put in special occasions for Christmas that we would share the occasion. So there's never a Christmas that I don't see my son, never a Christmas that Danny doesn't see him or Dave doesn't see him. Um, grandparents, special occasions, like Danny's Italian, so there's special occasions at Easter where she will um, – you know, have special, like on Good Friday, there's something special that they do in their family. So Josh attends. We just put a lot of flexibility in there, but also that freedom for both parents to still be able to have, you know, special occasions and special time with our child so he never missed out. But anything that's important to you should be in your parenting plan. Religion was in there too. Religion. Catholic school. Yes. Yes. We put that in there. And medical as well. We never did anything. Like there there was an occasion. I wanted Josh to get his tonsils and adenoids out very young. And that was something that Dave didn't agree to until Josh was 11. So that was like, that was one of our issues. Yes. <laughs> but but even, even with that, I didn't go against him mm. because that's part of our parenting plan and that's one of the guardianship issues. You don't do anything medical without the other parent's consent. As much as it irritated me, it was really important to him and we did that. Whereas when Danny got married, she got those tonsils for her kids <laughs> taken out straight away. Quick start. <laughs> oh, they all have these tonsils. <laughs> oh, too funny. I think yeah. the, the parenting plan is great. And I think it's something people need to remember to do. Or, or yeah, if they don't have one, get one done. Because as you say, if you've got those foundational items agreed, then everything else, the little things, you can really agree whether it matters or not. And yeah. most of the time it's not going to matter a great deal if you've got those big things figured out. And I think they, when they did that, they sat down and said, what, are, what is really your not negotiables? Mm. What, what are your not negotiables? Um, and that was the starting point. Yes. Yeah, yeah fantastic. 
Something else that you touched on as well was bad mouthing. I know that that's come up a a few times Mm -hmm. and I quite liked in your your book as well how you suggested that co-parents should say, refer to the co-parent as say Jenny's dad or Josh's dad rather than my ex, which is more around acknowledging the role that they play and Mm -hmm. I really like that. If there are times when you really finding it hard to not badmouth your ex if you're just you're angry or something's really pressed your buttons. Are there any tips that you could offer listeners for how they should, what they should do in the moment? Just remember that that child is half you first. Get into the mindset that's half you and half their other parent. When you speak badly about their other parent, you are speaking badly about half of them and they feel it and it hurts them. So if you're happy to say Josh's dad is a piece of X, then you're you're probably less likely to say, like you're probably not going to say something like that other than my ex is a whatever. I, I used to think about that and think Josh's dad is a beautiful father or I would think different thoughts and think of the relationship that he had with Josh. There are other ways of expelling that. I'm not saying I was a saint and definitely Dave would have spoken to Danny and gone, oh my gosh, she's doing this or whatever it is. But you can journal it. You can write it out. You can talk to someone privately, but never within earshot of your child. But if the the more you get into practice of not speaking poorly about your child's other parent, um, the easier it becomes. I still have girlfriends that do not, and this is like 24 years later, do not understand why I will not speak badly about Dave to them. Mm. Because I mean, they knew him prior and they knew potentially that our relationship wasn't great, but I'm like, that's my son's father. Yes. That's a special, sacred relationship. Um, and I would, I know that Dave doesn't speak badly about me either. In fact, he would do the opposite. He would stand up for me and I stand up for him. I mean, I, I mean I'm hoping that my friends have gotten to the stage where they can do that, but you won't hear me speaking about him badly now. And regardless of what our relationship was, it's our son. We, there's no two other people that could have created our son. So yes. that's something to be grateful for and to focus on. So, yeah, it's definitely a very important part of our co-parenting that Josh hasn't had to feel scared. I mean, I am, I imagine his beautiful little face, like as a little child, if, if I was screaming about his father and think, why would I do that to him? It just hurts him. Mm. It doesn't alleviate my pain. No, It might help me to vent, but there's other ways that I can do that and then just refocusing back on, you know, what I can control and that's my own life. Mm. Such a good example to set for others. What prompted you both to write the book or how did how did that come about? I think well, two things for me because I had experienced so much of the other end of the spectrum at school and so I wanted to be able to do something that was going to make a difference in the lives of the children um, that I was, you know, with my background in wellbeing, spending so much time with these kids trying to pick up the pieces. So I thought if we could do something to, you know, we've got this response mentality, we're always pulling people out of the river, but if we could go further up the river and stop them going in in the first place and create some type of prevention, uh, that was my first thing. And probably our second thing was people's infatuation with the two of us. Yes. Um, We, you know, people... And, I mean, we have been mistaken for a gay couple for, for most of our many times, um, yeah, oh, most wow. of our relationship. Because I mean, even with when Josh had his operations, and they were, <laughs> you know, like who who is who here? <laughs> Who's like, the parents? Who is, we're all the parents. Who, and, who, and who are you? And are you partners? And actually, it wasn't and until is he the donor. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> who's the? And even in in Josh's wasn't when he was in year twelve yeah. because we did parent teacher interviews and everything together. Tracy and I. Um, 
it really wasn't until year 12 when we walked in with our husbands that everyone was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so you have what there are. There are other people in this. We, I also found it really difficult to explain mm. what we did to people because it would take like, I mean, it's at the time that we wrote it was probably 15 years in, but it would take like hours to go and then we did this and then we did that. So we got in touch with um, Bev Aisbert and she is just an amazing self-help author and also illustrator. And she helped us to put all of the words into illustrations to make it really simple for other people to be able to implement in their own lives. And, and light. And, and, and really want it to light. be some heavy, yeah. you know, you would have known from the picture, some of them are a bit quirky and a little bit funny. We wanted to add a bit of a light element. So it wasn't, when you're in this, in that state, the last thing you want to do is pick up some heavy reading. Yes. yes. So we wanted to give all, all of the things that had worked for us, we wanted to translate them in a light way that was going to be easy for people to read. And we knew that it worked. So it wasn't like we were, I mean, we're not doctors and, you know, psychologists or anything. We are just a family that have made it work. And we knew that there would be a way that this could work for other families if we could just articulate it really well. I talk a lot, as you can hear. So me sitting down with someone and explaining it to them for two hours is not going to be conducive of their own time. And the book's actually been designed to be read in 45 minutes, even if you read it slowly. Um, And it's designed for each family to keep one in their home. So you need to have two books if you're a co-parented family. There's no point in one person trying it and and not the other Mm. person. Um, And then referring to it. So it's there as a guide for you when you do come up against those situations. All right, what did Tracy and Danny's family do? Well, they tried this. Maybe I can try this tip. So it really was yeah, very, pra- one very practical, practical practical strategies that yeah. were evidence-based because we knew that they'd worked yeah. and really to make a difference in the lives of other families. That's mm. That was our goal was to make a difference so that um, – and I think the best um, evidence is really, you know, now we've sort of come full circle. Josh is 24 now, as Tracy said, and he's a very well-balanced, wonderful young man and I – feel very proud that I think a large part of that was the way that the four of us decided to handle our family. Um, and I always think, I always think back to Josh's year 12 speech, mm. all the year 12 students had to make a speech and he got up and said how lucky he was to have parents that had made the choices that they made and that how thankful he was that he had two step parents that had made a choice to love him when they didn't have to. And oh. that is what always goes. She was crying mind. for a long time. <laughs> It was beautiful. That's so lovely. And it's those moments. And again, at that event, the mums walked the children, the, the boys in, all the mums went. So I, I'd gone in and I just went and sat at the table because, you know, it was a very special moment for Tracy and Josh. And before it started, Josh came like running through the hall, like, where are you? Like, we're waiting for you to walk in. And I said, no, 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 this is this is for you and your mum. And he said, oh my gosh, stop. You are my mum. Like, get up. You need to walk in with us. And so when I went back to Trace and I said, you know, Trace was waiting with open arms and I said, is this okay? Um, what are you talking about? Get on his other arm. Um, and so it's those moments that I thank God that we made a decision um, to do what was best for him because I can now see at the other end of things, him being a young man, that it was all worth it. Every time I bit my tongue, every argument that Trace and I had, every everything that we had to push down to push through, was worth every single second to see how he's turned out. Mm. So, so inspiring. I just love it. I um, I could honestly chat to you both all afternoon, um, but we are just about at time here. Just before no we, we wrap up, Danny, I understand you've written another book. Is that right? You want to talk briefly yes, about I that? Have. 
I have, it's it's for um it's actually part of a rollout program with the education system that supports young children that have been abused. Um, and it's part of my, I do a lot of work in the trauma space. And so I've got an organisation called Black Butterfly Education. And I do some work going into schools and educating teachers how to work with children who have been trauma affected. So the website's www.blackbutterflyeducation.com.au. So if you want to head over there and um, I've developed a trauma model that's currently being taught at university to train young teachers to help support our trauma-affected students. So it links very nicely with our co-parenting book as well. I use it at work too. I use all the principles with my team at work. Okay. Um, it's it's very, very practical and I will spruik about this for Danny for the rest of my days. It's It's amazing and kids that have been traumatized particularly in you know these situations need different care they need a different approach not just from teachers but also from all of us like as we as we parent them and just understanding um you know what they've been through for us we go through divorce and we go through separation but these children go through it for the rest of their lives because they're, they're going to be part of a, of a blended family, hopefully a nicely blended one. Yes. Um, for, and then their children. Yes. So I think well. that the understanding that I think with everything, well-being is paramount to anything. And mm. with, with schoolwork, you can't learn if you don't have, you know, uh, good positive well-being. And I think that goes across even into the workspace. Yes. Unless you have good well-being, nothing else, you know, mm. it doesn't matter what strategies, anything you put in place won't work. So um, just really prioritising um, you know, individual well fundamentals. Definitely. Yeah, fundamentals. And where can people go to get a copy? They can jump onto Booktopia. Booktopia is selling um, child-centered co-parenting. You can also um, contact us on our Facebook and I'm happy to facilitate sending you a copy of the book. If you are going to order one, please order two. Do, do this together. Do this for your family, do this for your child, but also do it for yourself. It's something that will help you to find peace we also have a community um, that we support on Facebook of about 52,000 people from around the world. We share a lot of tips on there as well. So even if you just want to come and find out a little bit more about us, you can do that on Facebook forward slash co-parenting crew. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for your thank time. You, Thanks for listening to the In The Blend podcast. The show notes for this episode are available at intheblend.com.au. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and please rate and review in your podcasting app. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn.